and welcome to the Talking Heads podcast with Lucy and Saul, two head gardeners in Essex and Devon. In light of the coronavirus crisis we are living in and the drastic changes in horticulture happening up and down the UK, we both realised that bringing a regular glimpse into the gardens we look after might bring a little joy and interest. So for the foreseeable future, Talking Heads will now be a shorter podcast where Lucy and I bring you snippets of our daily lives in our gardens as spring unfurls. We'll also bring you news of gardens and gardeners, nurseries and nursery folk throughout the UK. So sit back, take a few minutes out of your day and tune into a small dose of our gardening lives. Mr. Walker, hello. Hello, Lucy. How are you? Well, do you know, I'm all right. I've, um, it's the weekend. I've been in the garden. I have done some stuff and some things and uh, I'm feeling all right. What about yourself? Stuff and, stuff and things. Yeah. That sounds brilliant. <laughs> I know. Um, I spent a bit of time in the garden this morning. It actually got quite hot today down here. So I had to, uh, to go indoors for a little bit because <laughs> my back garden's really south-facing. It, there are actually points in the day where it can get above like 20, 25 degrees. Wow. And I'm, I'm a, a warm-blooded creature, more, more, more um, suited to the northern climate, let's say that, even though I'm a, what's it, a soft southerner, as they call us. Um, it was quite hot outside, so I did descend back indoors. But tomorrow's meant to be a bit cooler, so I'm probably going to go out and do my main lot of gardening outside tomorrow. Yeah. So when you went inside, what did you do? Did you read up about gardening or did you do something non- well, non-gardening related? Well, funnily enough, nothing I do is non-garden related. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I I'm do do a few things. Oh, well, are... no, I'm beginning to learn this about you, to be honest. So, <laughs> <laughs> But um, this afternoon, I, I had a really great experience, actually, because hmm. I know for the last few podcasts, especially the bonus podcast we've been doing, we've been talking to um, various people over Zoom. Uh, we use Zoom to do our podcasting. Uh, you know, so we can connect Essex and Devon exactly when we're when we're doing this. Um, so I thought um, I'd have a go at trying an online class. Now, uh, a bit weirdly, um, a class on gingers, um, so uh, Zinga Borales, for anyone who wants to know the order, the ginger order. So that includes things like your Hedicums and your Zingabers and your Mooses and all that kind of thing. Anyway, a course class came up um, over the Atlantic in Florida, a botanic garden in South Florida called Fairchild, the Fairchild Botanic Garden, which I followed. I haven't visited it yet, but I have followed for a long time. And their director there, uh, Dr. Carl Lewis, um, put on an a live online class over Zoom for two hours on gingers. See, I think that is absolutely, that is absolutely fantastic. You, I knew you were going to be doing this because you did mention it to me the other day and I was like, that is such a such an exciting thing to do on a Saturday in Devon, in your kitchen. <laughs> brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So how did it go? It was bizarre because because these, uh, so the class was about 10 of us and they were all from Florida. So I think they were a bit bemused when uh, a, a British guy turns up and starts talking about the, the <laughs> southwest of England and how we can grow weird and wonderful things down here. Uh, but they were really, I think they were they were quite happy to have someone from outside of their usual... Oh, no, I um, bet they were. I absolutely bet. They were delighted to have an Englishman join them. Well, they have a friendship group, which is their sort of group of volunteers and things. And I think they were really happy to be able to connect 
to uh, a different place on the planet in some ways. And in some ways, for me, it was really weird because usually I do attend a lot of lectures, especially when I was at Kew. Um, there was always lectures, uh, whether they were at Kew itself or in London, on various topics, botanical or gardening. Uh, so you get all these international experts coming over. But to actually sit in my, um, my study... Uh, where we do the where I do my podcast from, and actually join this class that they would have done at the Botanic yeah. Garden in person if this whole situation hadn't been going over Zoom was brilliant. And I just thought when we uh, I remember we were talking to mm. um, Christopher uh, Weddle, the um, gardens advisor at English Heritage, and bonus episode two about the fact that this may become more how we connect to each other in the future, whether it's uh, gardens in the UK or internationally. And I was thinking, oh, I wonder how that work. And then I've had this prime example this afternoon. And it was brilliant, two hours, and I've learned so much more about gingers. Well, I was going to ask you, what, was, what so what was the format? Was it like a, was it literally like a lecture and you had to sit and listen or could, was it interactive? Could you pipe up and ask questions or what, how did it all pan out? Yeah, so it was like you would, if you would go to a normal lecture and like a PowerPoint uh, slideshow and the, um, the director was talking over the slides on Zoom, but you could see him and he was fielding questions as we were going along. Um, and yeah, it was quite interactive because that's the thing I was worried about, how interactive it would be. Um, I, you know, I was taken aback and I was just thinking, yeah, I'm going to do more of these because, you know, we've got a lot of spare time. And when you're not doing something, how brilliant it is to just to keep up your knowledge Via and did you like just this. stumble across it, or how, so? How did you come across these courses? How can people find them? So, like I said, I I've been following the Fairchild for a fair bit because they grow tropical plants, which is one of my uh, passions, the exotics. And uh, it just came up on Twitter, so I uh, take a look at their website, and they've got a load of classes. So, if you're interested, go to mm. the Fairchild website. They've got a load of classes. And to be honest, I think I, I haven't really looked around, but I reckon a lot more botanic gardens and. Um, I, I I know there was something, I did see something uh, yesterday on Twitter. A friend of mine from Japan posted up that Fergus Garrett did one of his lectures on Zoom. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know Fergus, he is the head gardener at Great Dixter. He did one of his um, lectures on Zoom um, in, I think it was quite late at night, so that the people of Australia and Japan oh, could clever. tune in. Yep. to see him do his lecture. So I don't think he's the only one. And to be honest, I was a bit worried that it'd be, you know, feel very remote and you wouldn't be very interested. But two hours flew by. It was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Brilliant, brilliant. And did you, when you were wanting to ask a question, did you kind of like wave and put your hand up so that he, he caught his attention? Is that how it worked? I can imagine that working quite well. well. Yes, yes. But Zoom's actually really interesting. And I'm not sure what the other video conferencing... Um, um, applications alike but when you're talking it flashes you up on the screen um so that actually it you uh, interject so it looks like you're there uh, on the screen mm -hmm. and it gives you a little border and it tells you're speaking and actually you can follow the classes quite easily because i was worried um if i'd be talking over people but it didn't happen so it was it was quite a nice way of doing these things and like I say, just being able to contact people who you really wouldn't see every day uh, in, yeah. in your career or yeah. anything was, was really nice. So 
Yeah. Oh, I think, do you know what? Honestly, I think it sounds so exciting and I'd love to have a go at doing that myself. If anyone's listening and they've got these sorts of online courses that are, like you say, sort of a Zoom uh, conference call system, give us, a, give us a tweet, give us a shout out and we'll promote it for you because I think it's absolutely fantastic. So tell me, Saul, what was your most mind-blowing fact that you learned about gingers this afternoon from Florida? So uh, at home, I have a collection of roughly 30 Hadikium gingers, which are a bit hardier. Um, some of them I do grow uh, in the polytunnel because they need a bit more heat. But he illustrated uh, one Hadikium that was epiphytic. Um, now, for people who don't know what epiphytic is, it basically means growing without soil. So it grows on trees. So there is this ginger that has big fleshy roots that wrap itself around tree trunks and grows up in the trees. And wow. I hadn't heard of it before. Uh, and I looked up yeah. the species and I can get hold of it. So I'm going to try and get hold of it and try and grow it because it... it, it it's um apparently if you grow orchids like i do epiphytic orchids same conditions so there you go so would that need to be would that need to be indoors in the winter or could you have it on in somewhere in your back garden or i I think it would need to be indoors in the winter mostly because it doesn't have soil so it would need to stay a bit more humid um to be honest like i say i haven't grown it so it'll just be another interesting experiment along with everything else i do so do you know, oh, just wonderful. just tuning in just to get that one little crumb of information was brilliant. But um, yeah, yeah, and you made a whole load of new friends in the process. Fingers crossed. I definitely probably because they do a lot more courses on exotics, so I'll probably be tuning in again to uh, mm. listen to another class. But um, what was nice is oh. because usually they would be done at the botanic gardens, their classes. It's only if you're local or you can get to the garden that you would be able to attend. So. Yeah, you know, in this way, uh, anyone, you know, oh, it's, glo- it's global, isn't it? Absolutely yeah. global. So I think it's really exciting. I really, really do. Do you know I'm envious because I have not had such an exciting afternoon in my in my um, fingering hoe garden. I have not really travelled anywhere, uh, virtually or physically or anything. I've literally been on site all day. Uh, this morning we had another of our charity plant sales, which is uh, an absolutely mind-bending exercise <laughs> to try and get the logistics of it sorted out. But we survived. We did it. We raised some more money, just over £120 or something like thereabouts, which That's was brilliant. lovely. Oh, thank you. And then this afternoon, I deliberately didn't really want to do an awful lot because my mind had gone like blancmange. <laughs> and so I just spent time in the garden. I got quite a lot of transplants that I wanted to get out under cloches in the garden. Um, so we've done that. I've got, for example, some some Calabrese Iron Man. That's one of my my favourite Calabrese. Really, really uh, vigorous and uh, robust. So that's gone out. And, there are, and I've got these lovely glass cloches as well that have been made from the offcuts of our greenhouse. So they've gone out under cloches. I've had some pak choy. Again, I've put it out at quite close spacings, probably only about um, five inches apart in a double staggered row because I like, I love baby pak choy in stir fries and I've just had a Thai green curry tonight and I would have put that in there. I did pinch out my tips of my Thai basil to have in my Thai green curry tonight with a bit of asparagus. It was rather, rather lovely. Um, and then I've put out some agretti, which I've grown for the first time this year. That's gone under a cloche. Can you just, a whole can, load of lettuces. Can you just explain yes. the agretti? Because I've never grown it. What, what is it? What is it? Um... So agretti is a, a halophyte, which is basically a plant that would normally be growing in salt water conditions so like samphire for example that kind of plant that right. you'd find on uh, estuaries and marshland that that that's its normal habitat but you can grow a gretti in an ordinary garden situation although it's got these origins it will actually tolerate just ordinary garden soil uh, and i tried some 
Um, and I have confessed up to Matt Oliver at Hyde Hall that I tried some in his Global Growth Veg Garden last summer. Really liked it. It's, it's like um, it's very needle-like foliage. It's very much like a, a very soft pine tree. Um, very sort of. It's not. It's a, it's a shrub. It's rather a shrub rather than say um, an, um, a succulent annual, for example, like a lettuce. It's totally, totally different. Very needle-like leaves, but they are crunchy and a bit soapy, but in a pleasant way. Um, like samphire has that lovely rubbery crunch. Agretti is very similar to that. You sow it from seed every year. The seed's got very short viability, so you need to sow it um, really as soon as you got the seeds delivered. I got mine from Chilton Seeds, sowed it back in February. Germination was really, really good. So I have managed to sell quite a lot of these to the village of Fingeringhoe. Everyone's growing it this year to um, to see what it's like. And um, yeah, you just sort of pluck bits off. It, it's, it's, side, it's, it's side shooting out now. So uh, I mean, I'm still learning. I, I, I know Matt's plants at Hyde Hall were quite big and bushy, like a like a sort of lavender, but on steroids with very long needle-like leaves. So I, I'm hoping that mine does something similar to that. And uh, yeah, yeah, we just keep pinching it out. I think I the idea is that you would sow it from seed fresh every year, but maybe someone can put... Point me out if I'm wrong. Is it an annual or if you say it's shrubby, th- does it? can you keep it yeah. over winter? I, I think someone told me, because I did ask on Twitter about it because it was new to me, and um, someone said it's self-seeded in their garden. I'm not sure if you can overwinter it or not. So, uh, you know, it's an experiment. I shall, I shall um, learn with interest and see how it all works. Maybe someone's grown it before and they can give me the heads up. It would be lovely to know. So, yeah, so that's that's gone in under the cloches. A whole load more lettuces because I have successions of lettuces going on all the time because we do love a lettuce and so does my husband's mum. She likes lettuce, so I'm, I'm growing some for Anne to keep her happy. Um, yeah, and that's literally been us in the garden this afternoon, just very lovely, gentle, lollopy kind of afternoon in con- complete stark contrast to my morning, <laughs> which was rushing around trying to get all these orders together and um, selling out of stuff very, very quickly. So so, so tell me about you. What, what gardening things have you been doing outside? So um, the main thing, because uh, we're now in May, technically, although actually last night uh, was actually quite cold i don't know what it was like in essex we actually went down to roughly six and seven which has been Mm. quite cold recently because we've not really gone below double figures at night here for a bit so i've been i've been umming and ahhing about taking my polytunnel down um Mm. and i think i'm going to be doing that tomorrow so what i generally do is i just take the skin off and i leave the frame up for at least a couple of weeks because you never know even down here in the west country the weather can change. Uh, you only need the wind to switch back to an easterly and the temperatures will plummet. I can remember, I'm trying to remember when the beast from the east was two years ago, but it was actually quite late-ish in the year. I think it did, I think it was end of March into April. It was March. Yeah. Yeah, it was going into March, yes. But yeah. um, we generally don't get a frost down here in May, but they're not unheard of. So it always worries mm. me because a lot of my plants are on that side that it, even if they get a touch colder they'll just stop growing for a couple of weeks yeah. so just trying to keep the temperatures up by a few degrees means that i will get a longer display and a lot of the things i'll get to flower later in the year because they'll have a longer growth period so i'm going to take the skin off the the polytunnel and then uh, i'll leave it to one side and then uh, if we do have a cold winter uh, cold night 
I can I can stick it back on. So that's probably going to be tomorrow's yeah. job. Also, I've got to start the mega job of feeding everything, which means that I will be now feeding the Brugmanses, especially three times a week now for I know about you told me before months. they're hungry. Oh, they're hungry things, yeah. I, I literally yeah. will feed every second watering if I if I can get away with it, but it'll have to be three times a week. And it's necessary just to get that plethora of flowering later mm. in the year. So it, there is a payoff, but um, when you grow a bigger collection, and it's similar, I guess, with a big veg garden, and you start irrigating, it just becomes all-consuming in some ways. Yeah, it does. It does. I'm I'm quite chuffed because I've got myself a little... Um, so I... I I tend to water now to make life easier for me, um, unless there's restrictions. I will water the the vegetable garden with a hose pipe and the rose on the end. Um, I'll water in the greenhouse with a watering can and the rose because it gives me more control and the seedlings are more delicate. So I still use that there. But in the garden itself, when things have been in the ground a bit, they've settled in, um, they can take more of a jet of water. I use my my lance and I've got this attachment now uh, before the lance where you can put a whole load of liquid fertiliser in there. Oh, I've seen those, yes. Yes, like a, like a, like a com- a, the commercial growers have a displacement diluter. Um, it's not as, as anywhere near as elaborate as that. I'm sure the amount of feed that goes in in the first few minutes of you ap- using this device are much greater than when you get about five minutes in. I think it, I think it dilutes itself very, very quickly. But hey, it's a really nice way of, um, I say, for me, I do use a lot of liquid fertilizer. So at the minute I'm using nitrogen feeds, then I'll switch to high potash later on with, for some crops, depending on what they're, if they're podding or fruiting or not. Um, but yeah, it's so, so much more straightforward. I've got the hose pipe. It's, it's one of the ones that as you pull it, and it will coil back into itself on the reel. So I stretch it back out. I know exactly how far to pull it to get down to the bottom of the garden. I've measured. This is very nerdy of me. No, no, I've, I've measured d- on no, the reel. You, I'm exactly the same. I have a piece <laughs> of hose pipe at the back that I know can reach right to the corner where my last plant is. Again, and no we're joined further. at the hip. Yeah. <laughs> we're, yeah. We're such similar creatures. So, yeah, I know that if I make the reel go all the way to the right and then all the way to the left again, that gets me down to the bottom of the garden. I haven't then got to walk back up and curse and swear because I haven't, I've got to get more hose pipe out. I've exactly. worked it all out. I'm a creature of, I like a system. So. Yes, um, no, and I've got there. that, I've got my feed, got my lance, water the garden. I feed it once a week at the moment, job done. I have found that in the garden, if you get yourself organised, like for you with your polytunnels for all your plants, if you hadn't got those polytunnels, and I've seen them, they're lovely polytunnels, that, you know, you would, it would make life much more difficult and you wouldn't be able to give the plants the conditions they want you would get disheartened um so for me i i have learned through through making mistakes in the past over the decades when i've been gardening on my own and, and you know eventually buying all this kit and trying to get the right stuff i now know for example for me that hose pipe is a godsend um i've had them before which don't call back on themselves you tangle up and, and they get kinks in them it's just an absolute pain in the backside and and things such as the cloches i know that they're really going to help me now um i do think that that's something that you learn only through bitter experience because we all try to wing it don't we we all try and think do you know what what? (laughs) do you know when you start out or you're younger you don't have as much money as you do as 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 you uh, as you get older so you so you try and do things a little bit cheaper And you're right. The one thing I've learned is that uh, eventually, uh, with a little investment, you come up with good systems. Mm. uh, And it is is about organisation because you you can't wing it sometimes uh, because you're you're bound to fail on so much stuff. And 
as you get older and you do invest more money, like you've bought your greenhouse, I've got a lot of plants, the polytunnels, you want to make sure things are looking good and they last. Mm -hmm. So you put more effort and more organisation into it. So eventually, fingers crossed. And I always think it's never going to end, though, is it? Every year you think, right, I've got it just how I want it. And then you find something else or you find a new piece of kit or you find a new plant that you want to try and grow. And then you have to add something else to your system, (laughs) which is... Which is part of the joy of gardening, isn't it? It keeps evolving every year. But I always think I'm going to get to 70 and I'm still going to be learning something new or trying something new. And I'll never get to that point. I'll still be buying you something for your garden. Yeah, yeah. I'll still be, every Christmas I'll be like, no, you definitely want a new <laughs> one of those. A new a new Nowaki tool of some description. Uh, is bound uh, no, to no, be. absolutely. And, uh, you know, think, oh, I want to try I'm going to try that this year. It's like this year I've, I've suddenly yeah. started looking into begonias uh, and not the, the tuberous flowery begonias, but there's a lot of hardy foliage, really nice or, or semi-hardy foliage begonias. There's loads out there and mm. I've only got two or three yeah. and I'm thinking, oh, I might start collecting those. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, Another polytunnel. It's brilliant, isn't it? Because it just keeps your mind ticking. And I think it's, you know, so many people in this lockdown, I notice, are, are suffering because they don't have the kind of hobby which is sustainable and keeps going and gives them something to do. So yeah. in some ways, I think as gardeners, we're really lucky because every day is something new, something to learn, and it just keeps us going, doesn't it? Yeah. And I would also add to that that... I don't. I wouldn't call them failures, but I think when you improve on something, and you, but you've had years when you've had to struggle, or you've had to make do, or it's not been quite right, and then you get something and it nails it. That makes it that so much sweeter. So don't worry if you are not quite there yet. It takes years and years of getting things wrong, just trying new stuff, and then suddenly, boom, you're there. You've got a system. Works a treat. Lovely. So that's today's podcast. We hope you enjoy this shortened format and the look at our lives and our gardens. Hopefully you'll tune in again soon to hear about what we're up to. We understand that for many, life has changed in ways not imagined during the start of this year. Our thoughts especially go out to all our colleagues and peers in horticulture that have been drastically affected, and we hope that life will return and, like all good plants, flower again much better than before. In the meantime, please do get out into your gardens, support your local small specialist nurseries and enjoy time out from this extraordinary shift in ordinary life. Until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! goodbye.